I am Kevin. I almost forgot my name. <laughs> I needed my coffee and I had orange juice instead. Um, I am the student ministries director here at Highlands and I am so glad that all of you are here today. And like we made a point earlier, I also want to invite all of the people who watch us online. You may not realize this, but we often have 10 people every Sunday morning watching us from their home or wherever. And then there's probably 50 more who listen to us throughout the week. So it's quite an awesome thing that we have this ministry. So welcome to all of you, including those people watching at home. We're excited to be here. And along with that, um, I'm sure, I'm so confident that God wants all of us here this morning for a good reason. He has something for each and every one of us. So if you have that spoon, hold on to it. We'll get to it later. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to make you hungry, but we'll get there. So uh, many of you, I've heard from maybe four or five people at least, and that's a lot of the people that I know, um, <laughs> that they've been wondering why we've made this switch from the Gospel of John series to this relationship series. Well, simply said, we needed a break because the Gospel of John, which is an amazingly rich and powerful book, was seemingly hitting themes over and over again. So we might get back to it someday soon, but we thought, hey, God's got something else and fresh that he wants to do in our lives, so let's jump and follow him there. So that's why we moved into this relationship series. And um, along with that, we thought, you know, the Gospel of John is amazing and it's very theological and rich. But sometimes we need to jump back to something that's practical as well. So what's more practical than dealing with relationships? Because every one of us has a relationship, hopefully. If you don't have one with your, your friend or your spouse or your parents, which we all have parents, right? Mother's Day last week. Hopefully that went well. Um, you know, we can all do better at our relationships. So whether you're a 14-year-old teenager who's battling your parents at home or whether you're a 91-year-old grandparent who has all these great-grandkids who are crazy. <laughs> I know I'm always about families, but whether you have business partners or work relationships or neighbors, or if you drive and you fight for a spot on the highway, right? Every one of us can learn to have better relationships. And along with that, you might keep seeing these Highway 101 things or like the road in the background. Um, so first of all, it says us want to run, right? Right? Like it's the beginning. It's us, our relation. No, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to wake you up. Seriously, though, this idea of roads and going somewhere, relationships either are going together towards forward something or they're going apart. And if they're stale and not going anywhere, actually, they're probably drifting slowly apart. And so that's why we have this highway theme going here. Not only is the 101 the beginning, the basics, but the highway, there's a great adventure and journey of relationships that we're all on. And that's why you see all these graphics and the thing back there. We even have a road cone up here. I don't know where that came from, but that's awesome. So, um, so we've got to start at the beginning and decide which direction we're going to head in our relationships. And my prayer, again, is that this series will be helpful to help us have better relationships with God, with ourselves, and with those around us. Hopefully they'll be stronger as we look into God's Word and see what He has for us. So, what specifically are we going to talk about in the relationship series? Um, well, you know, not 
Paso is, doesn't have the biggest singles crowd. We do have some, but we're not going to do a dating series. That would be something I would love to learn from. <laughs> um, and instead, though, uh, what you got to see when Pastor Jim was up here two weeks ago um, is we're going to talk about different kinds of relationships that we all find ourselves in, whether it's relationships dealing with loving our neighbor as ourselves, like inside and outside of the church that Pastor Jim talked about, or maybe relationships that have no peace anymore, relationships that are still in conflict, that have no resolution, no reconciliation. Um, I'm pretty sure we get to talk about that one next week. Um, it'll be worth it, so come. Um, we're going to talk uh, two weeks from now. I'm so excited. Israel Gonzalez is going to preach on marriage. So you've got Israel, one of our favorite teachers, and he's going to be, it's going to be good. So come two weeks from now. Um, we're going to talk about family, children, and parents. We're going to talk about friends, and maybe the most important, but it might come at the end of the series, hopefully. We're going to talk about our relationship with ourselves. I'm sure that may sound a little bit odd, but it's actually one of the most important relationships because we spend the most time in our entire lives with ourselves, And we have these voices in our head that we need to either encourage or listen to something that's actually more true than the thing that we keep playing over and over. So, you got where we're going in the relationship series? Okay. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll get into what I've got to share with us this morning. Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for bringing us all here. Um, God, thank you for those songs that we just sing um, that talked about bravery. God, that talked about having open hands as we go on this journey of faith with you. I pray that you would be the one that reaches down into our minds and our hearts and does something this morning by your spirit and through this, your word. May these words be yours, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So most of this morning, I'm stealing from one of my favorite pastors, but his sermon is 55 minutes long, so I can't just play it for you. So I'd love to give you some of that if you want to know. His name is Louis Giglio. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's awesome. But some of it's mine too. So Anyway, so relationships. Relationships are a give and take, right? They are this back and forth, push and pull, and we often pray and hope that relationships are giving in both directions. But often we probably feel like we give and everybody else takes, right? Maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe that's not how you think about things. Maybe that's not what you feel sometimes. If you feel like every day you've got this perfect balance of give and take in your relationships, please talk to me afterwards. We want you to preach next week. <laughs> but this is normal. That, that actually what's more true of most people is that we unintentionally take more than we give. It's just a natural human instinct. We want to survive, and that's not an evil or a bad thing. It's just who humans generally are. And it's like that driver who cut me off yesterday, right? He wanted his space, so I got mad, but I want everybody to back up in line when I need to get over, right? So there's this give and take. And actually, um, one of the most important things about a give and take, though, is that in order for you to give something, you have to have something to give, right? 
If you don't have anything to give, you can't give it away. And um, I thought that maybe I, well, there's another way to say this. Um, if you cannot give, but you cannot give what you do not have, or more for our relationships, we give out of what we have received. We give out of what we have received. So I, I've got a question. Actually, I need a volunteer for this because um, I don't have my wallet with me. Does anybody have a 10 or a $20 bill? I, <laughs> there goes the spoon. <laughs> I know I'm off camera. I'm sorry for the people watching. Any dollar bill will work. Any dollar bill. Thank you. Five. I got a five. Thanks. I'm glad you gave it to me. <laughs> See? It takes something to give it before we can give it away. I now have received a $5 bill. And um, I'm going to... Anybody want $5 over here? <laughs> Thanks, JW. No, I'll give it back to you. But for me to have anything, I mean, for me to give something, I've got to receive it first. Thanks, JW. I'm thankful that you trusted me with your money. Uh, for me to be able to give anything away, I have to receive it first. And so... That's going to be very important as we get to the end of this. But, but I got to go somewhere first. This is always right. I got a side trail for most of the message. So here we go. Today I want to talk about our most important relationship. The one that defines almost everything about us. There's a great pastor from the last century. His name is A.W. Tozer. And he had this very famous quote. You might not have heard of it. But he says, Whatever comes into our minds when we think about God, that is the most important thing about us. Whatever comes into our minds when we think about God, that is the most important thing about us. And why? Because what we think about God defines a lot of who we are. It also defines a lot of what we do in our actions and our behaviors and how we view the world. And so our relationship with God, or I'm going to use Jesus interchangeable because they are two of the same three-person trinity that we believe in. Our relationship with Jesus should and hopefully does change everything about the way that we live, about every other relationship in our lives. It's that important. And it's not that if we have this relationship with God that our lives are going to be, you know, rich and happy and wealthy 100% of the time. No, that our relationship with Jesus instead, regardless of whatever is going on in our circumstances, it will impact every one of our other relationships. Hopefully, it will make them stronger and better, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be easier and happier. And so, as we look at our relationship with God, I have three questions that I want to answer. I'll try to do this. Um, it should be very clear, but I'm hopefully a little bit more engaging than that. First, I want to answer the question, can God actually relate with us? Because if he can't relate with us and we can't relate with him, then how can we even have a relationship? So can God relate with us? Second, how does Jesus relate with us? And I don't mean like the methodology, but like what kind of a relationship does he have with us? And then finally, if God does relate with us, and how does he do that? Let's see how that actually 
influences our relationship with others? How does our relationship with God change our other relationships? So, the first question, here we go. Can God relate to us? I imagine that if I were to go downtown Paso and run into some stranger at the park and ask them, do you think that there's a God? They might say yes, they might say no. I'm not sure. It's 50-50 maybe, I'm not sure. But if I find someone who believes in God and ask them, do you think God can relate to us? They'd probably, unless they were really, really faithful, they'd probably say no. And they probably say, oh, yeah, I believe that God made everything, but he's like somewhere far off and just let us do our own thing here. And, right, that God has this unintentional, disinterested or uninvolved aspect that people uh, assume because they don't have this deep relationship with him. And that's not the God that we see in his Bible. That's not this Jesus that we know and claim to follow but that's what some people think. I hope that's not you. You see, God decided in Jesus to enter time and space and flesh and blood. And that makes such a huge difference. Almighty God decided to give up his ability to turn time inside out to come and move into the neighborhood with us. Um... So John chapter 1, which we looked at back in January, it says, The Word became flesh, with the Word being another name for Jesus. He came here and made his dwelling among us. There's a great translation by Eugene Peterson called the Message Translation of the Bible, and he twists it a little bit. He says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That wasn't my original idea. That was quoting him, but... God let go of everything, all of his power, all of his majesty, all of his glory, so that he could live next door to you, maybe even come over to dinner at your house and understand that the kitchen is messy and understand that the kids are going crazy, understand that, you know, that pot roast doesn't A1, whatever, you know. Uh, He understands And I think of this a little bit like Disney's movie Aladdin. Maybe you remember there's this evil wizard that eventually decides to become an all-powerful genie. There he is. I know, Disney's kind of evil sometimes. Um, And yet, when he decides to become this genie, he forgets this one important rule that a genie is bound into the little itty-bitty living space of the lamp. And he's stuck there. And he really has no more freedom. Well, God in Jesus had cosmic infinite powers. But he wasn't stuck in the lamp. He chose it. He chose it so that he would relate to you and to me. So the primary reason that Jesus became human, as it says in John 3.16, is that he died for our sins because he loved us. But the secondary reason was so that he could understand everything that each of us go through. I'm sorry for the microphone. I'll have to fix that next time. He intentionally came because he wanted to relate with us. So great. Jesus was on earth and he lived next door. What does that have to do with me? Well, more than just becoming one of us, Hebrews chapter 4 
has some great verses about how Jesus is our mediator with God, our high priest. And here's what verse 15 says. For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus, not only was God, but he understands every time that you want to tick that person off because they were mad at you. He had the same temptations. He had every experience. Well, okay, he wasn't married and he didn't have a kid. But, but he had every experience. He was a five-year-old little boy playing with toys. He was a teenager who kind of rebelled a little bit against his parents decided to stay in Jerusalem while his family <laughs> left him. Uh, you can look in Acts, I mean, Luke chapter 3. He was single for 33 years, waiting for God to show him his purpose. I know, I know, that's fine. He was frustrated with people and with government. He was alone. He was abandoned. He was betrayed. He was tempted and tired. I can't imagine Almighty God getting tired. He was hungry, needed something to eat. He had to learn patience. He was questioned, misunderstood, attacked, abused. And so all those are seemingly negative, and we can understand because there's a lot of hard stuff in each of our lives. But what if you're on top of the world? Did Jesus really understand that? Well, let's see. He was treated as a king as he rode into town with all those palm branches, wasn't he, on Palm Sunday? He was applauded by so many. He had crowds of 5,000 that would flock, men, plus all of their families, to listen to him. So he knows what it's like. And he also knows what it's like to be powerful, but also to have nothing. He says, I don't even have a place to lay my head sometimes because people have abandoned and rejected me. So do you really want to follow me? Jesus understands every situation in some manner or form that we will ever go through. He didn't have a smartphone, but I bet he understands what it's like to have all that information coming at you at once. Like I said, he was never married, but the Bible says that his bride was the church, is the church. So he's got it all. And so what kind of relationship does Jesus have with us? Psalm chapter 103, this beautiful psalm, um, goes on and on about who God is and his relationship with us, but I got to jump to just a few verses in the middle. Verse 8 says, The Lord, again, Jesus, he is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. And he will not always accuse us, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Instead, he does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. So can he relate? Yes. How does he relate? By not giving us the punishment that we deserve. Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his own love for us, his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, while we were unlovable, Christ showed us his love by dying for us. And so he relates with us by showing us his great grace and compassion and mercy. 
I can go on and on and on, but we'll get to the main text for today. 1 John 4, um, 7 and following. So God has come all the way in Jesus to show us his love. And here's what this chapter says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Dear friends, by the way, it's also beloved in your old translations of the Bible. Uh, we are the ones who are loved. We are beloved. Dear friends, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's the definition of love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, dearly beloved or dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. God gave up everything to relate with us and show us that he cares. So, with that great intense love, he says, how do you relate to others? Show them the same love. That little two-letter word, God so loved us. So important. It's not that he just did it. It's that he went crazy over the top. And I know many of us have said, oh, I know that God loves me. We've heard this a thousand times if you've been around churches before. But I'm not so sure. So, so God wants us to change our relationships with others because he first loved us. Again, we give out of what we have received. And those two verses... 1 John 4.11, and then it says it even smaller, 1 John 4.19, that we love because he first loved. So God gives, and then we receive. Open hands. And because we've received, then we can give out of what we have received, just like the $5 bill. We give out of what we have received. Okay, now for the fun part. <laughs> Um, I have this shovel. I hope it fits in this bucket. I didn't try this earlier. First service, you get all the testing. This bucket is full of 100 pounds of sand. It's only $10. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Lowe's. Walmart didn't have any. So sad. Um, but Jesus, I want to I illustrate that. I don't even think I can do this myself. I'm going to get everything messed up here. Sorry, Ben. Jesus... Every day, his mercies are new, and he gives us his grace like a shovel. I have to dump this out because I'm going to make a mess. Jesus doesn't care about making a mess with his grace. Oh, no, that's really not going to work. Okay. Oh, much bigger shovel than that. Jesus gives us shovelful after shovelful of his grace every morning. So we can receive tons of and tons of his love into ourself, right? Okay. And he's got an infinite amount. But when other people ask us, hey, 
can you forgive me for that little thing? Can you, can, and I didn't mean to say that. We give them this much grace, a spoonful. Right? God loves us with a shovel. Every day, a new shovelful or more. But we often treat people that we're going to run out. We just have a spoon. And sometimes it's because people have hurt us. Sometimes it's because, um, I don't know, we're, we're, we're just afraid. And maybe it's because our bucket is still empty. Maybe this is us because we haven't actually started to believe and receive his grace yet. But I want this illustration to be what we remember, and that's why I gave you a spoon is that God shovels his grace out with, you know, abandon. It doesn't matter. He's got an infinite supply of it. That's why we created all of this, so that we could be here. And he asks us, hey, because I first loved you, I so loved you and can relate to every circumstance in your life, would you go and show my love to other people? And don't do it with a spoon. Go and do it with a shovel because he's got more shovelfuls behind that first one. But uh, so I, I love that example. And I think that as we go around, right, let's give more than we take because God has given us so much to give away. But if we haven't received that yet because we haven't believed in him, I encourage you, come and talk with one of us. Ask somebody who knows Jesus. We want to pray with you and help you understand how much grace he's truly given you. But I don't think that's where many of us are. I think many of us are constantly using, maybe uh, like someone said, they had a ladle. <laughs> um, their, their spoon is a little bit bigger. And that's fine. And I can fully agree with that. But some of us choose our little spoons instead of the shovel because we haven't received the full shovelful, even though we believe in Jesus. I lived this way for like two years back in college, and I'll never forget how I could not forgive myself even though God did. Right? We have those voices in our head. And so I'm afraid to give much grace away because I haven't let it really fully impact me. And so my prayer is really more than anything that this morning God would shovel his grace in our lives because he already does but that we would, with open arms, receive it fully so that we can give more of it away. Does that make sense? Receive God's amazing, abundant grace so that in the fullness of his love, so that you can give it out to other people who so desperately need it as well with that same shovel. So my challenge to you this week is to choose the shovel. If you've not received God's grace before, he's willing to dump it into your life. He has been, whether you realize it or not. Open your arms, open your heart, pray, seek him out. He's giving you his shovel full after shovel full because he wants to relate with you. And for those of us who have Let's choose the shovel instead of the spoon. If we need to do some work and say, God, help me to, 
to know and experience more of your forgiveness and grace so that I can give it away, then let's do that. But I really want us Highlands as a church to be marked by shovels as this community is so desperate for more of them. Can we be marked by the power and the truth and the grace of the gospel so that this community would think, hey, where'd they go if we left? I know we can't. I encourage us to do that. I want them, just as much as I want to myself, be able to relate and know our Creator. So give people grace and mercy because Jesus gave it to us first over and over and over. Choose to receive the shovel and not the spoon. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and your truth. God, I know sometimes we get lost in this message of grace and think we've heard it a thousand times because maybe we have. God, but we all need to be reminded of what you have done to show us your great love. So wherever we are this morning, God, if we do not know you, I ask that you would help us to open our heart and our mind to trust you and follow you because you are good. You are full of compassion. God, for those of us who have a hard time receiving your grace, help us to overcome our pride. God, the only way that we can do that is by saying, God, I know that you love me, but help me to know that I'm okay even though I'm not perfect. So Jesus, I pray as well for those of us, all of us, God, who have received your shovel, help us to give other people the same shovel full of grace so that they might come to know you as well. God, build our relationships based on what we have received, not on what we can give ourselves. Be with us this week. In your name, amen.